local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Welcome to Bayou Sports here on a big Tuesday, uh, August the 16th. And a uh, little headlines here for us. Uh, we've got Saints news, LSU news. We'll have uh, high school football coach Terry Martin on later on during the show. Uh, also, uh, a little golfing news, and the AP Jeff releases their top 25 preseason. Or, of course, uh, who would you think would be number one? Alabama. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, shocking it? news. <laughs> shocking. Uh, for you Tiger fans, uh, they didn't make it this year. Uh, and I think the first time in uh, Since maybe 2000, 20, I heard. Yeah, 22 years that uh, LSU did not make uh, the top 25 course. Uh, Alabama, uh, some of the old standbys, Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame comes in at fifth, Oklahoma. Uh, Clemson in there, so uh, pretty much uh, standard uh, who they are. We'll, we'll find out. We're 11 days away from college football, Jeff. Unbelievable. Yeah, a week from uh, Thursday. That's right. Uh, we kick off the season uh, with, uh, I believe, that there are a few games that particular day. I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. We've got Austin P at Western Kentucky. Of course, uh, that Saturday's Nebraska at uh, Northwestern. Elsewhere, Nevada at uh, New Mexico State. Uh, I'm trying to look for some bigger games. Uh, of course, Florida State kicks off their season against Duquesne. Of course, they take on the Tigers in New Orleans in the Superdome uh, uh, the following weekend. I believe it's a Sunday game. Though. It is Sunday night. My name, uh, uh, my thoughts serve me right. But in the meantime, uh, we got uh, college football right around the corner. Top 25 being announced. And uh, the other big news for in this area, Miles Brennan. Decided that uh, he uh, he didn't want to be the third-string quarterback, so he said, Coach, um, I'm checking it in. Appreciate all that you've done for me. And uh, it would have been his sixth year with LSU. And he's graduated. He's got his bachelor's degree. And certainly his family uh, entrenched in the restaurant industry and yeah, other think, things. He's not worried about his next meal. No. That's what you're thinking about. And uh, I believe his dad, Owen Brennan, uh, they they've pretty much got uh, things settled up. Of course, there's a there's some splits in that Brennan family with who owns what and who uh, does this. But in the meantime, uh, I, I, what I was wondering if even though the portal is done, if LSU would have released him, could he have say played at Tulane and would he have fit in there? Or I know he could go to Hammond if he really had the desire to play football. Yeah, if he's got his degree, I, I don't think it's too late to enroll in a college or a university and play a little football. I, I just don't see why. He's got the benefit, as most of these kids today do, of the COVID year. Yeah. Where they can play six years uh, along with a redshirt year. And he was redshirted, I think, his initial oh, season at LSU. Yeah, injuries. Yeah, and then had his share, more than his share of injuries for a college uh, player. Uh, in the meantime, uh, he felt that he was running, uh, or maybe he was told he's running third team uh, behind Nussmeyer and also, is it uh, Jenkins, uh, the, uh, the quarterback that came from Arizona, Arizona State. State? Yeah, he was running behind them. And I really thought Brennan had an outside shot at winning the job to start the year, but I felt that the transfer from Arizona State uh, would have opportunities to uh, take over that program. And I think it's the offense Kelly wants to run, and Brennan uh, not thought to be the most mobile guy, and so he just wasn't looking to put him in there at number one. Yeah, yeah, and just a freakish accident that he had last year with regards to slipping on a deck, I believe a boat deck uh, or or a boat ramp maybe, 
that uh, at Neal Park, and uh, I think what he broke it is his. I can't remember if it was his ankle or his elbow. Uh, it escapes me. I can't me. remember this point. But. Yeah, but uh, anyway, just sad news for that young man in, in that regard. So uh, we'll see how uh, that's going to transpire for him. Uh, hey, will he have another place to play? I'm, I'm sure his phone was ringing, uh, in, in my estimation. Uh, some people who thought maybe give him a shot. Uh, don't know if he has that in mind or just thank you, Tiger fans, and uh, I'm moving on. Or will he stay in school, maybe do some graduate work? I mean, who knows in that regard. Um, other headlines, Jeff, uh, up the road here, to, uh, 20 miles away from us, UL, hadn't decided on their number one quarterback yet either, and uh, they're kind of tossed between uh, Fields and the transfer uh, from uh, – I think I'm trying to remember where he came in from, but uh, it seems like Coach Mike Desimo is kind of up in the air about uh, where that's going to go, too. Uh, had named his starting quarterback, and uh, they don't have many more days. They maybe have one more scrimmage uh, set about, and then he'll have to make a decision. Somebody's got to be the lead uh, on top of the horse. Cer- certainly, at least that last week uh, of practice, you want – uh, number one guy, if he's not named, at least getting the number one reps. Yeah, and that's going to be the the key, and that's what happened up at LSU as Brennan ended up not getting any reps, and he just felt that, uh, you know, I don't have an opportunity here. I need to go ahead. And I'm sure they sat him down and spoke with him, uh, a senior of that nature, and uh, um, I'm sure he wasn't to his uh, liking. But you you got to be up front with these kids today. Just like we said earlier, to give him, if he wants to move on, to have another chance to play if he wants to. And um, that's, of course, that's uh, up to him now. Anyway, uh, we'll see what happens in that regard, too, uh, with that. I'm trying to um, – I know there was a little quote here for uh, uh, Ben Woolridge is the other young man that uh, is also in competition with uh, Chandler Fields, a uh, young man from Metairie, went to Rummel High School, uh, Woolridge, uh, or – is um, and there's a ra- there's a race that's going on. I always thought they had a Lejeandre was another young man from New Orleans who transferred in from Maryland. I thought he would have an opportunity to play uh, for the Cajuns, but right now it looks like it's between Woolridge and uh, Chandler for the uh, starting quarterback position. Uh, Chandler Fields, I should say, starting quarterback position for the Cajuns this fall. So, uh, and Coach Mike Desimo and his staff, I have to decide who, who they'll run with and who gives them the best opportunity to win. So, uh, I even uh, I spoke with somebody the other day that uh, he, he was all excited about Florida. I guess a Florida native uh, thinking uh, uh, that can't wait to see Napier in action over there for him. They pulled in a big-time recruit out of Alabama, defensive lineman, the other day. So, uh, Coach Napier working his magic in the recruiting trails as he left Alabama, the state of Alabama to go play in Florida. Uh, I don't know if you have uh, many other headlines there right now. Uh, later on the, for this morning, we've got Coach Terry Morton from Lorville coming on approximately 8 o'clock. Yep, 8 o'clock uh, he is due. Uh, you know, some of the headlines, uh, national headlines, uh, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s dad saying it was a fungus from a haircut that led to his PED suspension. Uh, not sure if there's uh, any validity to that, uh, but it's uh, it's a new one. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that's a good one. That, you know? that, you got to real think hard about finding that one. So uh, in that regard. <laughs> Tiger Woods to meet with PGA Tour golfers to rally support against LIV Golf. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about that today. I see where Raiders uh, defensive end Carl Nassib is uh, heading to Tampa for uh, at least a one-year deal for him. Uh, 
Again, a notable uh, moment for him coming out and uh, still playing, although uh, the relationship with the Raiders didn't last real long. Alvin Kamara likely available to start the 2022 season. Potential suspension could be delayed, according to one report. Uh, Let's see, college football playoff schedule locations uh, for the future have been announced. Miami to host the 2026 championship, Atlanta the year before. Um, Walker Bueller undergoing season-ending surgery uh, for the Dodgers. Remember the start he had. uh, He was on fire. He uh, was. And and certainly the Dodgers are still on fire. But, again, whether or not uh, he has an opportunity to play again this year, I doubt it. We're talking uh, Pete Corral, Princeton's textbook basketball coach, passes away at the age of 92. He led some teams uh, fairly deep uh, for a team like Princeton into the Postseason. Yeah, it's not like Princeton had a whole whole, whole lot of talent, and uh, he just m- was meticulous in his his play, his offensive. They slowed it. I don't know how they, they and they survived in the twenty five second clock era uh, or the thirty second clock era, and uh, he just slowed the. He let the air out the basketball, and they'd run that back door of those cuts constantly. And if you a defensive player and you miss your assignment, a Princeton player is going in for a layup. Pretty much is uh, Pete Carroll, and we were talking off the air as we were just about to begin the show this morning. I'm just I'm trying to recall if maybe one of our listeners would could remember what uh, what game was it that Princeton I think was a 16th seed, and they had the the number one seed I think in the country down by uh, a couple buckets uh, late in the game, and they ended up pulling it out, and Princeton I think missed a late last second shot. Uh, to lose the game, but I can't remember if it was Georgetown or UCLA or it was it was one of those teams that uh, that had the number one ranking in here. And, and at that time, no uh, college team, a number one ranked team, had been beaten by sixteen in the a tournament. Your airs uh, from the New York Times. Uh, Carroll's teams might lose to national tower- powers. But here's a great uh, line. But not before unnerving them and threatening an upset in the first round alone. So uh, in the first round alone, Princeton lost to Georgetown, 50-49 to in 1989. Arkansas, 68-64 uh, in 1990, those great Arkansas teams back then. And Villanova, 50-48 to in 1991. So... Those are some of those uh, yeah, Goliath, pretty, uh, David then, versus Goliath games. Yeah, it must have been the Georgetown game because Georgetown was still pretty strong back then. So it must have been uh, Georgetown that uh, they um, lost to 50-49, to probably to a pretty strong. But I- I'm thinking back, was Villanova possibly? They but, did beat UCLA. Uh, th- that's right. They did. Ended up, But that wasn't, I think they were a 15th seed or somewhere in there. Yeah, he uh, said – he said, if we played UCLA 100 times, they'd win 99 times. Uh, the Tigers went on to defeat 63-41 uh, to 41 in the second round against Mississippi State. Yeah, the only, uh, I think the only, um, the only 16th seed to beat a number one seed uh, was Virginia getting upset, and I can't recall who they, uh, who it was they. just a few years ago. Yeah, right? just a few years ago, yeah, and, and Virginia was the number one seed, and that was the first time. Uh, you have a lot of times you have a 15 seed beating a two oh, yeah, seed. Oh, that, yeah, that seems like a, uh, almost assured happening. You got four brackets, 
And it seems just about every year one is done. Yeah, you're right about that. But Pete Carroll, uh, just a great coach, not a big man. Didn't you know? It's not like anybody can go to Princeton. So uh, it's strictly there's no scholarships. It's uh, academic academic oriented, and also you have to have a need uh, uh, for uh, I guess athletic money when you head there. You probably have they probably have the uh, grades to get in, but you have to have that uh, need, uh, and they'll support you to a certain degree. They'll supplement your uh, your, uh, your, I guess your tuition and your room books and board, but uh, Pete Carroll uh, going from us, uh, just a just a great coach and uh, just a, a legacy that uh, his teams just played so disciplined. He was uh, five five twenty five and two seventy three, so playing uh, really close to uh, wins uh, two out of three basketball games. So uh, anyway, uh, he retired back in ninety seven, and uh, his teams just uh, would drive you nuts with that uh, backdoor shuffle that they run elsewhere jeff um in the college football world we talked a little bit about the ap uh poll coming out in that regard and uh of course alabama being number one and uh we see what coach saban you know he just he keeps like he just reloads he reloads he reloads he reloads and uh uh alabama number one ohio state number two georgia coming in uh, at three clemson at four five notre dame Texas A&M at six, then Utah, surprisingly, Utah, uh, Michigan at uh, eight, Oklahoma at nine, uh, Baylor at ten, surprisingly, the Baylor Bears. Anyway, Oregon, Oklahoma State, uh, North Carolina State, USC, Michigan State, Fl- Miami of Florida, not Ohio, Pittsburgh, and the last uh, few teams, Wisconsin, Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Wake Forest, Cincinnati, Houston, along with BYU. And, of course, the last three, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU, will all head to the Big 12 uh, here, uh, I think, in 2025, maybe not 24. Of course, LSU adds Oklahoma and Texas in the 2024-25 season, I'm trying to recall. But for the first time since 2000, LSU didn't crack the AP. You know, I I heard one quote um, that LSU doesn't seem to have any – personality yet uh it's mm-hmm. tough to define them and i think that's one of the reasons why they have not entered a poll beat florida state in week one and then you show them something that's right and they garnered 55 votes they finished uh if you want to look at it that way they finished uh with 30th place ahead of them uh 26 tennessee texas iowa penn state and then LSU, and then after LSU, Fresno State, Minnesota. Those are people receiving votes. Not enough to go or enough to be in the top 25. But uh, it, um, it should be an interesting season for Tigers and the first-year head coach, Rick Kelly. Uh, he uh, uh, also has to make a decision on his number one quarterback, whether he goes with Neusmeyer or uh, Jenkins, the uh, the young man transferred in from Arizona State, who, who's who got great feet, can run the football, and uh, I'm sure Kelly's looking for that in the uh, Really tough Southeastern Conference with the defenses that are played. So, uh, But uh, a bunch of uh, SEC teams in the top 25, Jeff, to begin the year. And uh, that's all uh, when you got well, Only two in the top ten, though. Yeah, Georgia and Alabama, of course, uh, the two latest two national champions. I'm sorry, I missed Georgia. So three in the top ten. Yeah, with A&M. Texas A&M. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, also... Um, uh, I, I, you know, the team that surprises me is Kentucky, but Arkansas is in there along with Ole Miss, so that's six. Uh, six of the uh, 14 teams in the SEC in the top ten. And I'm sure Tennessee, along with uh, some of the other schools, uh, 
will be uh, staring down. So uh, anyway, pretty interesting in that regard. So and again, it is what it is. Preseason poll. That's right. Uh, you know, again, what what I don't like about it is that it's tough to break that mold. Then too, you know, uh, again, you know, an Alabama that doesn't necessarily play real well, tough. Uh, maybe some tough teams early on. Other teams might look better early on, but they're not going to move them just because they didn't beat a bad team by enough. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, you still got the Auburns in there and the Mississippi States. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of good programs. Missouri can sneak up on you. Uh, Vanderbilt's the one uh, little sister that's kind of beat up on a lot. But uh, every once in a while, they they can put a scare in the teams, too. (laughs) So uh, it'll be interesting this fall. uh, Football season, uh, approximately 11 days away. And the college football well, no, season. If you, I mean, there are some Thursday night games next well, week, so that's uh, yeah, more I didn't like see, nine yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, so that's uh, the twentieth. Well, the twenty seventh is, is that that's a Saturday, isn't it? The yeah, 27th? But, but I want to say there are some games uh, Thursday, but um, I'll, I'll pull it up here. Yeah, well, that uh, you're right, and it should be um, the college football season, which we all, uh, of course, the Saints on. Uh, this Friday night. No, I, I am wrong. Uh, it's all Saturday. They are uh, Saturday. First weekend. Uh, I don't see, I, I do see a TBA game, but okay. um, the Thursday games begin September 1st. So And uh, like we mentioned uh, some yesterday, the, the Saints are up in Green Bay and they're practicing against uh, the Packers, from what I understand. They're going to play them Friday night. Uh, why the reason? I guess it's just nicer to hit a an unfriendly face than, uh, than a teammate uh, through the course of the week. But the Saints are practicing up in Green Bay against the Packers in that regard. You mentioned about Kamara. Uh, the more it goes, Jeff, the more I think he's going to play this season without any suspensions. So for you fantasy players, uh, uh, you got to keep that in mind. If he's going to play this year, uh, uh, I, I'd be surprised if he's not taken early in a lot of league uh, draft. They say he's looking really good during the uh, preseason workouts. Did not play this past Saturday. We'll probably see him on Friday. The Saints added to and subtracted from their roster while getting down to the NFL-mandated 85-man roster limit. That's not uh, down by a bunch, five. No. But dozen transactions Monday afternoon, uh, signing uh, three new players, waiving five waving two more with an injury designation, placed one on injured reserve, reaching an injury settlement with another. The three new Saints that will join the team in Wisconsin for joint practices uh, with Packers, linebacker John Bostic, defensive end Nico Lalos, and defensive tackle Jaleel Johnson. They previously, uh, previously spent some time with the team in training camp this season. Saints wave defensive back Jordan Brown and linebacker Isaiah Pryor. Those with the injury designations, wave defensive ends T.J. Carter, wide receiver Aesop Winston, safety Jack Corner, and kicker John Parker Romo. Offensive lineman Ethan Green, uh, Greenage or Greenage, was placed on injured reserve, and the team reached an injury settlement with Bryce Thompson, who went waived last week with an injury designation. And Bostic, who's now on his sixth team, is the biggest name of the three players that the Saints signed. So, again, we'll see if he sticks around. Uh, It's one thing to make the 85-man roster. 53, a little bit different. Yeah, and I'm trying to recall how many, uh, basically, players make that uh, practice squad. At one time, it was seven, and I'm not so sure it's up to ten now. I wouldn't doubt it uh, through uh, Players uh, Association. Uh, 
often getting those kind of bones thrown at them. Uh, so one more guy is one or two more people are in the mix. Um, but but it does give a team a little flexibility, too. Yeah, light bulb, as uh, I mentioned Jenkins, but it's uh, Jaden Daniels is a young man at LSU's uh, yes, transfer yes. quarterback and not Jenkins. I kept saying that, so I stand corrected. Jaden uh, Daniels. Anyway, let's go ahead and take our first break this morning. You're listening to uh, Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 1075 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to AnswerToPain.com. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become part of something bigger. Join the team. We're currently hiring for a variety of offshore positions in both our production and construction divisions. And you can apply right now at danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports and no bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 9 tennis made across from McDonald's. Best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer, just $2. $3 imports all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Tuesday, August the 16th. And uh, something uh, we didn't, we brought up a little bit, uh, I think, last week, possibly the week before, about illegal contact flags uh, in the NFL. Uh, in week one, uh, there were, um, I think there were 15 uh, illegal uh, contact uh, flags thrown last year. There were thirty six the whole year in the season, <laughs> but uh, whole year or whole preseason, uh, the whole year thirty six okay. during the whole year and uh, of the regular season. And just last week in the uh, first of the uh, exhibition games, they threw fifteen of them for illegal contact during the first preseason. And you know that just that tells you right there they're going to come down. There was one in the well, Saints game, I believe, against Andy Dalton when he was uh, tackled low. And what I and I made mention of this during Tesh Matters yesterday: the idea that throw these flags now, let players know what is a, a penalty so that they hopefully don't commit that same penalty during the regular season. So I, I, I think it is important that they uh, are aggressive in calling those penalties now so a player knows what's allowed, what isn't. And I'm sure they're going to be reviewing tape, not just their own team or their opponent team, 
but they're going to be reviewing those kind of plays uh, and saying, hey, don't do this. Yeah, that's right, because uh, the trends, uh, the trend basically, that it was approximately 97 that they average each year during the season, and that's from the last 20 years they've uh, I've stayed in touch with it, that particular call. And the illegal contact refers to prohibited contact by a defender when the quarterback still has the ball and remains in the pocket. It's a five-yard penalty, results in an automatic first down. And uh, the low uh, 2021 uh, total prompted the NFL competition the competition committee to include illegal contact among uh, its points of clarification, formerly known as points of emphasis uh, for the 2022 season. League sources surveyed uh, were split on whether the wording of this uh, year's illegal contact instructions will lead to spike in flags as occurred after the two previous points of emphasis for the foul. In 2014, flags for illegal contact rose to 148 from 52 in the previous year. And in 2004, they rose uh, to 191 from 79 in 2003. So it's something, you know, we've got to keep an eye on. And, you know, the, when the quarterback's back there in the pocket, you can't hit him high and you hit him low. Uh, that's part of that illegal contact. And especially you can't grab him around the ankles, uh, for that matter. And uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that stat. And that that's that's a, a real jump when you got 15 just in the first week of preseason and you had 36 all of last year during the regular season jeff and so, these uh, officials know they're being watched and oh graded yes too. oh yeah so they probably were yeah and, and again not sure if i heard anyone suggest it was over officiating over judicious but um but certainly they know that they're being graded too when you're literally told hey we want to we want to see these called uh when they're legitimate uh so yeah they're aggressive oh most certainly in that regard so uh it's going to be uh something to keep an eye out on foreign fans i was trying to even look while we were speaking about that any of uh the major changes in uh rules this year in the nfl uh in for the coming season and uh rules changes i'm just uh i'm going to google that i know there were a couple of them that were uh, a couple big uh of course, the one we were talking about just now with regards to the uh, uh, illegal contact. And uh, uh, I know concussion protocol is going to be uh, – uh, here we go. Uh, well, the teams are going to be allowed 16 practice squad players. So 53 and 16, mm. that's almost that, – that's 70 kids. So uh, moving the number from 12 the last two years, that's what it was. And uh, as we know, you're allowed to have uh, 90 on the roster, but they had to cut down – uh, this year in that regard. So uh, uh, here's something here for what is the NFL, uh, the new NFL rule change. Only fouls that require the down to be replayed, fouls that negate a score or palpability unfair acts will be enforced. The second approved rule change proposed by the competition committee makes uh, the permanent free kick formation change implemented uh, in that regard. And also I think there were two uh, – Rule changes in postseason uh, overtime that was uh, altered. So uh, I'm trying to just uh, glance through this real quickly. The most recent, uh, Brian Dabal called a 19-yard touchdown pass to Josh Allen to Gabriel Davis in last season divisional round between the Bills and the Chiefs. It occurred a year later. It would have been uh, lost. But 
I think the, some of the changes uh, in that regard. I think in a free kick situation, if you fair catch the football on a punt from the opposing team, you can have a field goal kicker line up from 70 yards and attempt to kick the uh, field goal. Uh, and the, you can't rush him. He gets a free free kick from whether the ball is caught on the fair catch by the punt. I know that's uh, still in play. And uh, But that illegal contact, that'll be the one, I guess, to watch. And uh, the, I, I trust if the guy misses the kick. The it can team, be run back, too. Can the team then get the ball right away? The, the, the kicking, the punting team, after the guy kicks attempts of a field goal which we've never seen i, I don't know if we've I've ever seen, seen that it. once and that that was years ago years ago so but then the punting team gets the ball back right away that's right, right. and i that's would imagine correct. in that spot where they kick i'm pretty sure that's the, you're correct in that regard and you can return that kick too in that regard also so um some of the rule changes that's something else i'll put a little note here to look up some of that and even with the colleges you know uh, a couple years ago they uh, brought in you could fair catch the uh the kickoff and the ball would be placed at the 25 that was done a few years ago that was a new rule instituted yeah. in college football and uh, again trying to avoid those vicious hits where both guys are running at full steam and collide uh, so yeah if uh, again, yeah. it is what it is. Boy, and you know as well as I do, that's where the injuries take place, too. too. Many, and, the, yeah. and how many times... Wide you, open. Yep. And how many times you see the old block in the back, you know, on kickoffs. Uh, that's more religious uh, than even the punt returns, I do believe. Uh, punt returns, you see more holding than anything else. You try to keep the, the uh, punting team from getting down the field as quickly as they can on the uh, kickoffs. It's more of... Uh, you know, them blocking them in the back. They used to call it clips. Yeah. I don't hear that anymore. You hear blocking the back. No clipping. Uh, so well, It was uh, clipping more of a lower body thing from but behind. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, uh, blind. And then, you know, you can't stick to, I think years ago, you could stick, as long as you can get your helmet around in the front of the player, uh, I don't think they're allowing that anymore either, where if you get your head around, uh, his torso up in the front, up near his chest. I don't think he can do that either. I think you have to literally be in front of him to knock him down or to, to ward him off or, or just uh, get in his way. But uh, just subtle changes uh, in that regard. So um, it's, again, more and more how things are going to change in the uh, in the NFL. Uh, and I made a note, hopefully I can look up some of those uh, changes that fans may be aren't aware of in that uh, era of uh, the NFL. And it uh, looks like uh, we have a caller here. Oh, let's uh, give it a shot, go to the phones, and say hi. You're on Bayou Sports. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, one of the things that always, uh, well, seven, uh, I think the first preseason week, the first game, actually, it was a, uh, a taunting call in, in the end zone. And I'm, I'm telling you, if this is now considered taunting, we're in for a long season, where the, the pass that was broken up by the defensive back, the, the receiver's still on the ground. All the defensive back does is, you know how you kind of uh, uh, signal incomplete, like the referee, referee signal. You know, he, right. he does that. But he happens to be, you know, over the guy. But mm. it was just a timing thing. You know, unsportsmanlike conduct, you know. Um, so first, first down and goal. Man, that's... Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one because that's just a natural reaction from a, a young player just signaling incomplete. You know, he didn't catch it. 
And if they're going to throw flags on that, right. you're right. This is going to be a long year. Oh. The football games may last four hours because it looks like they were coming to that at one time, too. Well, I just hope at some point the NFL looks at some of the, uh, the the rules, and especially regarding pass interference. I think it should really be more like the college game, uh, uh, you know, to, to a certain degree, because it's just way too often uh, it, it ends up, you know, you get a 50-yard uh, pass interference. I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous, you yeah. know, uh, the spot spot sometimes. Um, yeah, and the no, thing there's no face guarding in college football. You got to remember that. In, in the NFL, there yeah. is, and that should stop too. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing that bothers me too is when when penalties are called. And look, I get it. Every play can have a penalty. I, I, I know that. But when the penalty obviously is across the field, and it's not something egregious, or you know, it's just a, whatever you know, a holding call or whatever you want to want to say. And but it has nothing to do with the play itself, and and they, you know, they flag it. That's it's so frustrating to to, to see that. You know, it didn't. But, but the, 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 and we that. I, mean, I was going to say the player who is the offender doesn't necessarily know that though that he is not impacting the play. It's the same reason I hate the idea that a pass is uncatchable. So therefore, uh, no penalty on. I'm, I'm forgetting what, but but because a defender pass interference, the defender doesn't necessarily know it was uncatchable, but he still committed the foul. Yeah. Well, again, I, I think referees and, and you know the other thing is if you look at the way they referee the regular season as opposed to the postseason. Why don't they just referee games in the regular season the same way and let them play more? Uh, and, and you know, I mean, you just get some of these crews that are just, when you when you hear them announce the, who the head referee is going to be, it's like, oh my god, here we go, it's going to be a sixteenth penalty. I mean, it's true. You know, some of them just it's like that's their moment to shine. Uh, it's to 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 be out there throwing flags, and it's it's the same crews over and over and over. But you know, it's it, but what I, I have two questions, and I'll hang up and listen. But number one, I want to know that that Coach Indes get flagged for hands to the face when he hits the guy with the brass knuckles. <laughs> That's a good question. That should have been <laughs> I, I think it was encouraged, not illegal. Uh, we, those those particular questions we won't be able to answer at this time. Uh, but uh, and I want to tell and just like let Coach know that you know, and he's a golfer. He should know this. I mean, brass now, you know, is an obsolete material. They have titanium knuckles now. They're a lot lighter and and stronger, you know. So technology's evolved when it comes to the uh, to the cheating uh, mechanisms. Um, but I just wanted to uh, get Jeff's opinion. I'll hang up and listen. I saw the Saints signed uh, John Bostic, you know, as uh, uh, insurance, I guess, backup veteran linebacker help. And I know he was a second round pick of the Bears back. Uh, I think in 2013 or 14. I just wanted to kind of get your opinion on, on what kind of player that they might be getting, albeit maybe not in his prime. So you know, keep, keep so in mind, day, guys. You, you bet. Keep in mind, uh, being out of market, I don't get to watch the Bears, especially in those days, didn't get to watch them. I have a few more avenues now, so I couldn't really be a good uh, judge on that or answer that, but I appreciate the thought. Uh, uh, I will say that. The Bears had some pretty good defenses in those days, so, you know, but for what it's worth. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah. The Saints are uh, just uh, looking for some fill some needs. Hanson, you know, they they uh, brought him in and he did a heck of a job. Uh, of course, he's playing against some reserves too. You got to remember that. Uh, you know, Texas didn't uh, play all their uh, starters either. The Saints held out eighteen players, combination starters, backups. But uh, we'll see what's going to transpire uh, Friday night uh, as the Saints take on. Uh, Saints take on the Packers. Who are they practicing against this week? So, uh, uh, and practicing in temps. Yeah, yeah. Right. Hopefully dry. I think we had heard that there is rain in the forecast for Friday night there. I believe it is. I believe it is. Uh, I was picking up that uh, uh, right now up in Green Bay. Uh, just trying to pull up a quick temperature up there. But, yeah, the Saints uh, uh, going up against the Packers this week and, uh, I guess, organized uh, practices and uh, right now in Green Bay, Wisconsin, it's 65 degrees. The high today is 78. Uh, through the course of the week and Friday calls for 50% chance of rain. Uh, the high of 79 during the day, the low of 63. Uh, so the Saints uh, have a chance to play in the rain. Uh, come, uh, And I think that's a good thing, to be honest with you. Uh, even though the Saints play, um, with this year they'll play seven, eight games in the Dome. Uh, they have one in England uh, in Wembley Stadium. But, but, but that... I believe they still have eight games in the Dome. Okay. And that was their ninth home game this okay. year. All right. So, so the, the, you know, you not need chronologically. To, yeah, but you need to play a little bit. Of course, the Packers don't have turf. They have grass. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always good to play on the grass. Yeah, and, no, uh, no doubt. Uh, to get used to it because you will play a few teams that don't have turf fields so, uh, or play indoors. You know, that was one uh, criticism the Saints received all those years when those playoff teams were making runs is that uh, they never played outside and uh, with the cold and the chill and the rain and everything else. So the, you know, the Vikings used to be such a great playoff team until they went into the Dome. That's and right. then all of a sudden, you know, they, no, they, they weren't so impressive <laughs> all of a sudden. That's yeah. right. Those, those uh, northern teams, of course, uh, Detroit uh, has been in the Dome for many years now. And, and uh, they haven't done much uh, in, uh, in 72 they, years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, under the guise of Bobby Lane back in the 50s when they won a couple NFL championships. But, uh, yeah, that, 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 that frozen tundra uh, can get to you, and that's for sure. So and, the, and really, and not to be bragging on the Bears these days, but really – since they went into domes, uh, Detroit in the late seventies, around seventy six, seventy seven, yeah, dome, yeah, and then Minnesota in eighty, eighty one. You know, the Bears and Packers have really dominated that division for the most part. That's right, and uh, the the Lions at one time played in Tiger Stadium, uh, the the ball club. Uh, that's mm-hmm. where they just like the the Bears played in Wrigley Field for many years, yeah. Yeah. and the Packers, of course, with no professional baseball team up there, uh, played in. And uh, I guess in their field for many years, and the Vikings played in, uh, I want to say they played Metropolitan Stadium yeah. for many years. The, the old, we, we called it the Met. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, where the Mall of America's is now is the Twins' first baseball stadium, a little 35,000-seat stadium for baseball. I think they were able to expand uh, some temporary bleachers for football that made it. A little bit bigger, but yeah, I went, went to a few baseball games at the Met. And, and at the Met, you know, the Vikings with the Purple People Leaders, I, I thought Fran Tarkenton would end up leading them. Because they'd made, Tarkenton took him to three Super Bowls along with Joe Cap in the late 60s. 
the late Joe Cap, who was famous for being the, the walk club, the walking man stick, and mm. uh, Burt Reynolds with uh, uh, the the prison scene. So uh, that was a uh, 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 cap. But uh, the Vikings, yeah, uh, just got and were mauled all three times. I think they played in the uh, mauled by the Dolphins, mauled by the Steelers, and but they lost by, four. Yeah, they lost. Well, Joe Cap was uh, the the original. Oh, you're, you're uh, quarterback about in the late. Uh, yeah, Tarkenton played in it three times. Anyway, Jeff, uh, it's I guess uh, time to take uh, another break here on Bayou Sports, and uh, we'll be back with more. You listen to Bayou Sports here on August the sixteenth, a Tuesday. We'll be back with more Bayou Sports right after this. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. The Corner Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports and no bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 9 tennis made across from McDonald's. Best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer, just $2, $3 imports all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Hi, this is Boxcar Bajlow inviting you to join me and PGA Golf professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m. we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oaks. So let's make a tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 1075. Uh, welcome back to Bayou Sports here on FM 1075 and AM 1240. We'll have a short segment before we at 8 o'clock. We'll go to uh, head football coach uh, Terry Morton at Lorville for our coaching segment during the uh, – week of uh, football season now but uh you know uh jeff uh on this date uh in uh baseball and that uh the only death that ever took place in a baseball game happened today in 1920 as cleveland indian shortstop ray chapman suffered a fractured skull when he was hit in the head by a pitch from carl mays and uh, he died 12 hours later in a new york city hospital and he's the only major league player ever to uh, die in a game and uh the reason I want to bring that up, you know, we talked about this a few weeks back, if not a month back or two, is that w- with uh, Chapman, the Major League Baseball used to play with the same ball 
until uh, I guess it was either hit out the stadium, but home runs were few and far between back then. But the, the, another thing that was, there were two big rule changes over the years, and it took many, 30 years for, the, for baseball to bring in the helmet, the batting helmet. Uh, players uh, who, were, who had seniority in could wear those little uh, stuffings of plastic under their helmets, or I should say their caps. Hank Aaron was one, Willie Mays was another one, Maury Wills, one, the ones that come to mind. But uh, helmets were instituted, believe it or not, 1970 or 71 when they first made you wear a helmet. And uh, the other thing that took place was that uh, they were starting to think that Chapman couldn't see the ball. The ball was uh, because it was so dark during the day even. It was only the fifth inning, but they said it was a gloomy day at the polo grounds. Yeah, and uh, he uh, got hit in the skull, and that's when they started uh, exchanging balls and putting new balls into the game. Uh, of course, the owners back then, like Comiskey and some of that crowd, they were so tight. They didn't oh, want to yeah. spend a, a dollar for anything. And, of course, uh, player salary, uh, uh, of course, they say the 1919 Black Sox uh, took took uh, uh, all kind of bribes to throw the games and uh, as much as $10,000. So uh, uh, that was a lot of money back then when probably a majority of these players, players weren't even making that. In that regard, so um, you know, I played for uh, the Cleveland Indians, uh, as they are known now. I was watching uh, the Tigers uh, Guardians game yesterday afternoon, and I'm, I'm rooting for the Tigers because the Sox still have a fighting chance to, yes. to win that division. They're three back, I think, going in yesterday. And I was thinking, though, uh, Cleveland on top of that division right now, would that not be a hoot? for the Guardians to do something in the postseason. And not that I'm rooting for them by any means, but it would be a storyline. They finally change the name, and then, like a curse, is lifted. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you can think about that uh, with the uh, with the Guardians. Uh, of course, the last time uh, they won a World Series uh, was 1948 with the great Lou Boudreaux and that crowd. So uh, as they beat, I'm trying to think who they beat. I think they beat the Braves, the Boston well, they Atlanta. No, they were in Boston then. The Boston Braves. With For John- some reason, it sounds right to me, just because one, one two Indian moniker names. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, that's right. So in the meantime, uh, they uh, uh, the, and the, the only person I knew in town that was a big Indians fan, and I'm sure it was because when he was a teenager, they were in the World Series that year, and then again in the fifties, uh, uh, in '54, they lost to the uh, New York baseball giants uh in the world series but eddie the late eddie terrell was a big i'd always see is where his indian hat uh, his new era indian hat around town and uh eddie uh the late eddie terrell who was a softball fanatic i think he played into his 40s uh was a big indians fan and uh that that's who i'd recognize as being an indians fan in new iberia there, there weren't many <laughs> yeah i had an indians hat because i i love i have to admit i thought the chief wahoo logo was uh, cool. I, I just uh, I liked it, um, and and you have a certain empathy for Cleveland. This is pre twenty sixteen when the Cubs played him in the World Series, but the hat shrunk on me, and it was a fitted hat, and I, I just couldn't wear it anymore. But I always liked Chief Wahoo, but yeah. but I also understand why they made the changes that they did. First, in getting rid of that logo, the, the caricature. I mean, it really used to be a caricature back in the forties oh, yeah. and fifties. 
but you know some of the some of the great uh, some of the great Indian Cleveland Indian players uh, they had their share too. I know Rocky Calavito played with them for a while, and also uh, the great fireballer Bob Feller was uh, was a Cleveland Indian uh, at Robert the time. Robert. That's right, and boy, he was most vocal too when he, he came. He was to, not a uh, pleasant man. No, he uh, he he spoke his mind. He didn't care what you thought. Said uh, there wasn't a lot of diplomacy there when uh, he would talk. But uh, Larry Doby is another one. Uh, the great Lou Boudreaux, as I mentioned, Bob Lemon, the Hall of Famer, uh, Albert Bell, a local LSU mm-hmm. uh, player. Earl Averill was a great shortstop back in the day. Uh, early win, another three hundred. Jim Tomei, who's in the five hundred Homer Club. Uh, Tyrus Speaker, who was thought as one of the greatest outfielders in the game. And as I mentioned, Rocky Calavito. Al Rosen, who at one time was the president of the American League. Sudden Sam McDowell. Greylord Perry. Herb Score uh, played with the Indians for a while. So uh, Sandy Alomar Jr. also. So uh, there were a lot of Cleveland players in the majors that made a lot of noise. They just didn't win enough pennants uh, playing the World Series many times. So. That was, that was pretty much the fact about that. So uh, in the meantime, let's go ahead and take our break here and bring on uh, head uh, football coach from Lorville High School, uh, Terry Morton, and uh, we'll be back with Coach right after this. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Hey, guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to AnswerToPain.com. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And I do believe we have Coach uh, Terry Martin on the line. Good morning, Coach. Uh, Tony Landry along with Jeff Boggs here in Kane Studios. Good morning, y'all. How y'all doing this morning? Well, that's what we'd like to know from you. How are things going up in Lowerville? And uh, how's your team uh, coming around? And uh, when is your scrimmage, I should ask? 
Uh, man, pretty pretty typical right now. Uh, I guess a regular season up and down. You know, we uh, we had last week. I think when we talked, we talked about how the the weather's been terrible. You know, it rained every day, and uh, even though with our having a turf field, we we had lightning every day, and we ended up in the gym for sure. I want to say probably four days last week. Oh wow! And yesterday, you know, we 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 get outside, and for the first time, there's no you know no rain in the forecast, and we got to deal with the real heat. And so, you know, I told the guys after. We looked exactly like a team that had been in the gym all last week. You know, uh, you know, ha- having to run in there, not being able to do all the things that we needed to do, and of course, the gym's air conditioned. We, we, you know, we we really took it on the chin as far as. But by the time we got to the end of practice, we had guys you know, that they were wilting pretty pretty good. So uh, you know, it's, we, it's something that we needed. It's something that I was concerned with last week. You know, you, you need to have a little bit of heat every day to, to get acclimated. So, we, you know, we, it showed yesterday that we had been in the gym for, for, the, for the whole last week. So hopefully, you know, the weather can kind of normalize, I guess, if you want to call Louisiana weather normal. And, and, uh, and we can, you know, get in the heat and stay in the heat a little bit like we need to to be ready to, to play a full game in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I know you and I have talked in the past about nutrition and how that lays uh, into uh, avoiding cramps and, uh, any of right. those concerns too? Not being able to work out as much uh, outside and get used to that weather, but uh, again, that nutrition uh, factor as well. And then, right, and, and again, we, you know, we learned our lesson a couple of years ago. We started uh, with our kids, especially the two-way guys or the guys that we know they're going to be on the field a lot. We give them, you know, we encourage, we remind the kids and the parents constantly about how important nutrition is. But but most people don't realize how, how important just eating. On a regular basis, and in the case of our kids, having extra meals. Uh, you know, if we could, I would love to be able to have every one of those suckers come through. You know, eat breakfast at a certain time, come through about mid morning, make sure they all get a good snack, or even if it was a protein shake, do the same thing in the mid afternoon, and then of course, you know, hopefully they get a good supper. And actually, a lot of them need a good snack before they go to bed. Those things that we can't control are really, you know, really is what causes issues. Yeah. Uh, we nope. do. Uh, well, I'll tell you, we do give those two-way guys their own personal bottles, and they come they come pass through all the auditorium and meet me. And you know, we we have some Powerade available. We we give them a few scoops. They go ahead and fill up their water bottles. We do that mid morning, and we do it again after practice. Practice for those guys that are on the field a lot, and that has helped. You know, the last two years we haven't had nearly the problems with cramping that we that we might have had in the past. You know, it's, it's just again, it's the eating that they don't realize, you know, that they have to do much, much more if they're going to stay on, you know, on the field and not be on the sideline cramping. Hey, Coach, uh, you know, you do have a turf field, but how often do you practice on the grass? And it, would you only do that the week you may be playing an opponent that plays on grass? or Man, are we, you, we, How do you do we that? We don't get on the grass. We don't get on the grass. Okay. Uh, you know, we're on turf all the time. And, again, like I said, if we, are, if we do get lightning, we end up in the gym. Uh, we have uh, our junior high team which practices pretty much all the same times we do they are on the grass field you know i guess you know for some reason we had to go i'm sure we could we could you know split it up but uh just with with it being right on the side of our field house we don't get on the grass that much and you know and and again we do whenever we do have a chance to practice with a wet ball you know we will you know we don't run off the field when it's raining it's just the lightning that causes issues sure so we we do have adequate chances to, to practice with a wet ball you know that brings in a whole another set of circumstances but you know i never quite thought about it from what you're saying we don't get much 
uh, exposure to the mud unless we're in a game. You know, I never really thought about that. You know, so if you bring it up right now. Coach, uh, those turf fields have been installed both at Nish and Westgate and at Laurelville for a few years now. How, how are they holding up? I think we're on year eight right now, wow. seven or eight. And, uh, you know, honestly, they, they, they're pretty much expected to go eight to ten years. In fact, I've talked with a couple of our, our local board members recently just what our plans are, uh, you know, because in, in the future, I'm sure in the near future, we're going to have to look at, again, the, the cost won't be nearly the same, but we may have to look at, at redoing some of these fields. As so far, you know, everything, I think all of our fields are holding up pretty well. We had an issue when it was first put in, when the, 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 I want to say within a month of putting the turf down. They had a really big rainstorm, and I don't know if the pumps were working correctly yet, and I know one area of the field really lifted up. I think it happened in Nish also. And there's some areas where they do, they do feel a little more compact than the others. And, you know, we do have a grooming machine. You know, we have, we have one machine that sweeps. To be honest, it doesn't really do a good job at all of picking stuff off the field. But the, the, the big issue we got to deal with, it actually picks up almost more of the rubber core pellets than it does the trash. And so, you know, you spend a lot of time, even though it, it, it's extremely nice, you don't have to paint it, you don't have to cut it, you don't have to poison it, the upkeep does, it is pretty time-consuming. Uh, with having to sweep it, then we have to go back and redistribute the rubber pellets the best that we can, and we do groom it uh, on a regular basis, too. So, you know, fortunately for all three of us, everything seems to be holding up as well, but I'm pretty sure within the next few years, they're going to have to start looking at the possibility of laying down, a, a, you know, at least the top layer of turf. And, Coach, uh, is this week your scrimmage week, and who are you uh, going to scrimmage and uh, where? Uh, we're actually, we are scrimmaging Friday, uh, the 20th. I think Friday is the 19th. This Friday at 530 in Laurelville, we have Hanson coming. Uh, we've been scrimmaging them, actually, since I've been here. You know, have a good little thing going. Uh, you know, they like to come here because, obviously, you don't have to worry about the mud. They don't have, like I mentioned, they don't have to worry about cutting or painting or anything like that. Uh, we have our quarterback club who does a little post-game meal for both teams, so it's kind of a good little tradition that we've had since I've been here. Uh, unfortunately for us, we, we had yesterday two uh, of, of our more important players, uh, two more uh, guys that are on offense and defense starting to have little nagging strains, muscle strains, and we had to hold those two guys out. I'm hoping that we, you know, there's not a sign of what's to come, and then we can get those guys back. But I'm, it's just like everybody, you know, y'all, you get these things and bruises early, and you kind of have to hold your breath, and, and uh, it's kind of how the season goes actually. So hopefully we can get those two guys back. Like I said, it's two starters, and uh, you know we have everybody available because the scrimmage again is important. No matter how much you prepare, how much you practice, how much you get used to the heat, how well, how well you condition your team. That first scrimmage in the, in, at the end of the summer is always uh, kind of an eye-opener event for a lot of kids. Uh, I, I, you know, every year I'm amazed that no matter how hard kids work and how well conditioned they are, after one or two plays in that first scrimmage, it, it seems like they're all gasping for breath because just with the nerves, with with it being the first time you get on the field, it, it's something that's really important to, to get in. So I'm hoping we can get those two guys back and we can be ready to go on Friday. There you go. You know, I, I I know there's some familiarity between those two teams, but do you do any scouting or do you do any film work uh, getting ready for a scrimmage? We do, and, and, you know, we did play each other last year, so we just we don't exchange film from any type of practices like we might do for, for the regular season where you have multiple games you can look at. But we do have last year's film, 
And uh, they, you know, last year they had a, a new head coach uh, going right before he got the job right before the season. So last year was really a year of unknowns. This year we kind of talked back and forth when, when we were talking about the format for the scrimmage where we kind of just say, hey, you know, you're doing the same thing on offense. You'll be on the same thing on defense. So we do have an idea of what each team is going to do. But that's another thing that's pretty good about, about a scrimmage is the unknown. Yeah. You know, you see how your kids react to things. You know, your coaches have to kind of adjust a little bit. Maybe they're doing something a little bit different. So I kind of like that aspect of it, too. It helps you prepare. We also use this to, to get most of our technology ready. You know, we, we mm. do have, a, you know, with, with the filming, we have new kids who are going to be videoing for, for us. Uh, it's it's going to be the first week where we break out our sideline instant replay, maybe break out our end zone camera. And so it seems like every year when you do that, little glitches come up. Uh, in fact, when you called, I was actually trying to uh, uh, get the password and username for, for the software that we use for our sideline instant replay. We all got new laptops last year. And so when, I, when we got that new laptop, I, I don't have the computer or the administrator level to be able to install software on my computer. So we're having all kinds of issues trying to get that transferred over. And so that's another thing that scrimmages are important for. You, you try to get all those little things knocked out early while you can so they don't cost you when you really need it week one. Yeah, and then the Jamboree is one more opportunity to work out those kinks. And we'll look right. forward to talking to you next Tuesday, recapping the jambore- or the uh, scrimmage and uh, looking ahead to the Jamboree. But always a pleasure, uh, Coach. Uh, we'll look forward to it next Tuesday. Sounds good. Thank you all for having me on. Oh, You're quite welcome, Coach. Appreciate that. Uh, indeed, Coach Terry Martin. Tomorrow we'll be joined by uh, the Dean of Iberia Parish Coaches, Rick Hudson. He is the Dean. You're right yeah. about that. Uh, in the meantime, Jeff, uh, today is sports history for August the 16th. You know, we talked about Ray Chapman, the only Major League Baseball player who ever died in action uh, and uh, came about with the, the dirty ball and uh, new baseballs being thrown into play. Of course, batting helmets come about around the 50s, uh, but it became mandatory for ball players to wear the full helmet. And then over the years, you know, they put in the side flap for the face oh, yeah. and ear and all that. So uh, uh, poor Ray Chapman loses his life, the only uh, major league ever to die uh, on the field of play. Well, what's interesting, too, is he got up. He walked off That's the right. field. That is correct. But uh, then he he just uh, collapsed uh, yep. later in the dugout, and uh, there's they rushed him to a hospital, but nothing they could do. At yeah, that he point. died about ten hours later. Elsewhere, in 1927, Yankee slugger Babe Ruth tees off on Tommy Thomas in the fifth inning to hit his first homer out of Comiskey Park. And uh, if you've ever been to Comiskey Park. Uh, home of the first, I think, fireworks display in baseball, too, as uh, if the, the White the Sox win, yeah, with, yeah, with, home with fire runs, up. Home runs and uh, a win. Yeah, uh, courtesy of Bill Veck. Elsewhere uh, in 47, future Hall of Famer outfielder uh, Ralph Kiner hits three successive home runs as the Pirates beat the Cardinals. Uh, both clubs smash a major league record 10 homers in that game. Elsewhere in 54, American brand management company Authentic Brands uh, Group first publishes the sports magazine Sports Illustrated. I was wondering if you were going to have that one. Yeah. yeah, Eddie Matthews was the first man on uh, on the cover of Sports Illustrated, the famous third baseman for the uh, Milwaukee Braves and later the uh, Atlanta Braves. Elsewhere uh, in 1964, center fielder Kirk Flood gets eight straight hits in a doubleheader split against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. Of course, Kirk Flood, the man who brought about the uh, reserve clause, and uh, all the free agents today need to kiss him uh, 
to because he gave up a career to uh, fight the reserve clause. In 65, the American Football League's fran- ninth franchise is officially awarded to Joe Robbie, and television star didn't know that. Danny Thomas owned part of the Dolphins at that time. Hmm. Uh, as the Miami Dolphins start uh, playing the AFL's uh, Eastern Division in 66. In 1984, uh, the largest harness racing purse of $2,161,000. Annihilator is the name of the horse that wins the uh, entry. of uh, He wins a million eighty thousand. In 97, uh, for the second time, the Stanley Club, Jeff, leaves North America and heads to Russia. The Stanley Cup hockey. Uh, well, each player gets to uh, spend a day with it. Oh, uh, so the, the uh, there was a player from... Uh, must have been, more than likely, that would have been the reason. All right. And it, and it also may have been an attempt to uh, gain favor, you know, uh, gain, pick up a fan base. Okay. Uh, that kind of a thing, too. Sure. Anyway, in 2008, Jamaican sprinter he makes the news all during the summer. J- Usain Bolt sets a world record at 9.69. But the following year, in 2009, Usain Bolt edges American Tyson Gay to win the 100 meters and sets a world record 9.58 seconds in 100 meters. Wow. Anyway, that was at the World Atlantic uh, Athletics Championship in Berlin. Elsewhere, uh, born on this day in 1862, you're going, whoa, what sport? Amos Alonzo Stagg, the, probably the pioneering uh, grandfather of American college football, born in West Orange, New Jersey. Elsewhere in 1930, the Gipper. That's right, Frank Gipper, not the Gipper, but uh, NFL halfback with the Giants and our ABC Sports broadcaster, born in Santa Monica, California. Elsewhere in 1961, Christian Aoki, the American football player known as the Nigerian Nightmare, was born on this day. Of course, he played for the Chiefs, born in Nigeria. In 1948, uh, of course, a sad day in baseball as Hall of Famer and, uh, and the great Bambino, Babe Ruth, dies on this day of throat cancer. Uh, he was 53 years of age. Uh, kind of sad. Also on this date, uh, passing away was Bobby Thompson. Now Bobby Thompson, who hit the, he was 86, he hit the shot heard while in the Worlds. They beat the Dodgers in the third game of a playoff series in 51. And uh, Russ Nixon still hollering, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant. Elsewhere, uh, also on this date, a cousin of mine who, uh, a full-blood raging Cajun, and uh, William Hathorne, Blackjack uh, Landry, uh, died on this day of stomach cancer. And uh, they've got a bronze statue. I think that's the only statue they have out in uh, Cajun Field, to a, whether it be a football player. Uh, Blackjack was an equipment manager for 38 years with the Cajuns. Elsewhere, finally, the quote of the day from Tom Landry, of course, the old cowboy coach. And I, I like this statement here he made. Nothing about football. He says, today you have 100% of your life left. Mm-hmm. In other words, everybody's saying, oh, man, I'm, I'm it's 40 years old. I'm half gone. Tom Landry said you got to live each day to the fullest, and you have 100% left of your life. Until Jerry Jones buys your team, and then you're done. <laughs> that's pretty much, and Coach Landry is out of there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's uh, today in sports history, Jeff, here on August the 6th on Bayou Sports. Just cleared a bunch of headlines. Don't see anything pressing, although I did see uh, something on ESPN. We can talk about it tomorrow. Uh, apparently, they're saying... Don't be afraid to bet on those Tigers this year, LSU. Uh, they, they are, they, I saw a story, just saw the headline, but they're upbeat on the LSU program, and we can talk maybe a little bit about that tomorrow. Well, wherever Kelly's gone, he's won. Yeah. And uh, he, he just couldn't grab that brass ring, but he's pretty much won wherever he's going. And believe you me, I think he's got a lot more access to talent than he ever had at Notre Dame. There you go.
Once again, uh, appreciate uh, Coach Terry Martin joining us today. And as always, the Bayou Sports sponsors, the Headache and Pain Center, Schwing Insurance, the Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, the Quarter Tavern, and L.A. Classic Roofing. Again, Coach Rick Hudson joins us tomorrow. Uh, Stay with us again. News brought to us by David Funeral Homes and then back into the music here at Kane 1075. You're listening to KANE 1240 AM and K298CQ 107.5 FM, New Iberia. The voice of the Tash. <laughs>